Good morning. We're dealing with the subject of deliverance in the next six months. And what we're going to do is to understand how the a word deliverance is used in the Scriptures. Where in the Scriptures you find someone ministering evil spirits uh, to, uh, to someone in need. How to understand uh, the will of God in terms of the plan of God for salvation of humanity. And understand where we are and and look at prophecy in this area also. So, it all began with angels of God rebelling against God. It didn't begin in the earth. It didn't begin with man. It began in heaven. And it's very important that you sort of get an idea of this because a lot of people think that to deal with uh, this warfare that we're experiencing is something that is just applicable to Pentecostal churches and people that jump and, and dance during worship. And you couldn't be wrong, more wrong, to, to understand this way because the idea of deliverance, for instance, when Jesus is about to go to heaven, in John 16, 8, 9, and 10, He said when the, when the, when, when the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment, for the ruler is already judged. That's a, an indication by Jesus that Satan has already been judged, and you have to understand why does he then, being judged, can do so much as he's doing in the world today. So, so this topic is a, is a very needed topic, a very important topic, psychologically speaking, physically, mentally speaking. It is necessary to understand in order that you be blessed of the Lord and do what God tells you to do in your personal ministry. To not understand this realm of warfare in dealing with deliverance and understanding it, it will cause you to have a ministry that only deals with it in one way. For instance, I give you an explanation. I've been watching the football games on TV this last month, and all the all the games uh, that college football presented to us. Now I learned something about watching those those games. A team can have one way of passing the ball. They throw the ball, and, and they're they're Abilities to throw the ball so someone can catch it. Then the other one, ability to win, is to run with the ball. And so it's, it's a, it's a two-dimensional way of winning a game. Run with the ball or throw the ball so to be catched. Now, in spiritual terms, in, in terms of dealing with the Word of God, you can't have one dimensional aspect of of dealing with spiritual things. If you ignore throwing the ball or dealing with the need of man, the salvation of man, the healing of man, the deliverance of man, if you uh, only use 
one-dimensional aspect of it, which is bringing salvation to the lost. But you never mention how Satan works, how he does his ministry, how he convicts, how he, he came to seek, kill, and destroy. Meaning, meaning you have to have a, a two-way approach to present the gospel of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and also understand Satan and what he's trying to do with the church. The two are both dimensionals and they are needed and very much necessary to win the Christian faith and the Christian battle. So it all begins in heaven. It did not start with man. It started with angels that God created. <clears throat> It started with the angels, with angels that God created. So, what else I can tell you? I can tell you that God made the visible. Jesus is the creator. The idea of creation came from the mind of, of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So, He created the visible. But He also created the invisible. And the invisible is, is necessary to be understood so you're able to teach a solid gospel, a, a, a two-dimensional gospel that is able to present the cross and, and, then, and then present why the resurrection of Jesus was so important to destroy the works of the devil. So, God created the thrones, the principalities in heaven and on earth. He didn't create it just in heaven. He created it on earth. So, so there are in the earth, there are authorities, there are rulers, there are principalities. And it's necessary to understand those things in order to preach a, a, a two-dimensional gospel. So, number two, the leader of this rebellion in heaven, his name is Lucifer. He was an angel. And he wanted to be like God. In Isaiah fourteen twelve. Now, li listen to this. We're talking about things of heaven. We're talking about Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. We accept Isaiah, prophecy of the coming Savior. But when he comes to uncover darkness in what Lucifer has tried to do in the earth and in heaven, we simply ignore it. It is not healthy. It is not healthy that a pastor, a teacher, anyone who teaches the Scripture, not to understand these areas. So here is Isaiah fourteen twelve. How you, how, how you have fallen from earth, from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations or weakened the nations, you have said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. That came from the mouth of a fallen angel. He wanted to be like God. Number three, Jesus witnessed what took place in heaven. And as the, Luke 6, as the, Disciples came back from uh, their wonderful experience of evangelism two by two. Jesus said, I saw he was with God in the beginning. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And John 1, 2 says he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And it has to do with the earth and the heavens and the principalities and the powers. Of, on, on hev- and in the heavens and in the earth. Without him nothing was made that was, has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness. And darkness has not overcome it. He presents the light and presents darkness. And he says that no one can say that darkness is greater than the light. It says here in John 1, 2, The light shines in darkness. And darkness has not overcome it. So what does that mean to you and I as Christians that are trying to preach the gospel? I'm going back to the football analogy. If you have one dimensional aspect of presenting the gospel, you're going to suffer. And we're dealing with a church today that has one dimensional approach to present the gospel. And so persons like me that have a special ministry in this area are are not understood, are not comprehended, are, are rejected, are put down and... And, and, and laughed at it and ridiculed it. And I had plenty of that. But I'm telling you, I am 80 years old and I'm still alive. I'm still talking to you about this. So, and I know, I don't know where you are in terms of what God has done in your life, but if you have, if you have resisted the idea that the Holy Spirit's been judged, the Holy Spirit has judged evil, and you have authority over evil spirits, you don't have a ministry. You have a, uh, uh, one-dimensional team. So, I hope I communicated with that in some way. Now, number four. Satan, after the fall, began to establish his kingdom in the earth. You see, Adam opened the door for his lies and his innuendos, and sin came into the world. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the words of one of the greatest men that ever lived and preached the gospel with so much power. The altar of 14 epistles in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul. He writes in Ephesians a letter to the church in Ephesus. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the vows of the devil. Now, he is putting it down. No, no, notice that he is, he is, to the letters of the Ephesians, he is playing a two-dimensional gospel here. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh, against blood, and against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Notice that put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand against the vials of the devil. And then he goes into an area that is very, very interesting. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does it mean? It means when you're dealing with a person that is being assailed by Satan, when you're dealing with a family that is going through horrible, difficult days and horrible life, Children are committing suicide. 
There's no jobs. Money, there's scarce money is just not available to pay bills. They're, they're needing healing. They come to the altar of your church and they kneel down and they begin to cry. You do not speak to them as if they are the reason of their demise. You speak against the darkness and the evil powers, not against flesh and blood. In other words, never condemn the sinner. Never harass the sinner, but reprimand Satan. That is a two-dimensional aspect of, of ministry and praying for people. Number five. Now let me go back to, to number four again. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Principalities are things in series. Against powers. Uh, a, 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 a coronal. A, a general. Against ruler of darkness in this world. Against spiritual weakness in high places. And it has to do in the earth. It has to do in heaven. In other words, you have authority to reprimand that which is evil in high places in the earth and evil in high places in heaven. But since we are on earth, you need to learn how to do that here. Amen? The Holy Spirit does the battle up there. But you need to confess. You need to reprimand. You need to say what needs to be said here as you minister. Now, Okay, good. Good. Let me go to number five. Satan is the god of this world. And he's seeking followers. I've been in churches to where nothing is being said about the kingdom of God. In other words, what they know is what you know. And they cannot grow above who you are because... They're subjected to the teaching that you have. And so Satan begins to replace your authority with his authority. And the church is empty and void. And there's no power in it. Here's John 14:30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Satan has no hold on Jesus. No claim on Jesus. Nothing about evil about Jesus. He was totally holy, absolutely, completely holy. Our Lord was holy and is holy to this date. In Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And the problem here is that even though you have a theology degree, even though you have three years of university and, and seminary degree, you have no authority whatsoever. You operate in a plane that children understood and comprehended, but never be able to be blessed because it's one-dimensional gospel. You don't know when Satan is raveling, destroying the families. When they come to you, you don't take authority. You simply just smile. So the God of this world blinds the minds of them who do not believe. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. The only way that the light will shine upon you is if you open the door for the Holy Spirit to bless your life and recognize that the battle is a two-dimensional battle. You need to have understanding of darkness and you need to have understanding of light to a point of affecting people's lives. 
Let's go to number six. There is a warfare between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. You have to come to this conclusion. You have to come to this conclusion because if you don't come to this conclusion, the Holy Spirit is not able to do that which He can do if you are open to what He does. It's very difficult to find someone that's been preaching the gospel for a long time but have not a clue of, 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 of this dimensional area. They don't understand it. They don't comprehend it. They think it's just a waste of time talking about it. When Jesus, when Paul himself writing to the Corinthians, says this, In whom the God of this world has blinded the mind of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shine, should shine on them. Unless the light of the glory of God and the power of the Holy Spirit shine in your life, you want to mention a Christian. And I tell you, to be under the teaching of one dimensional Christian, it's a dangerous proposition. We have a church that has divided because have been one dimensional church. And I say, I say to you this because there are thousands of people who used to be Methodists and are now Presbyterians and Baptists. They had enough. To be aware of this battle is necessary in Christian life. To ignore it and deny it, this truth is dangerous. John 10.10, of course, you, you, you heard about this scripture. It's a very popular scripture. But under the understanding of this two-dimensional approach to ministry, it says, The thief cometh not by to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thief comes not but to for, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's not playing around. It's saying Satan wants to grab you and kill you. But I come that you have life, and that you have life more abundantly. If Jesus can do this, and can teach this, and speak this, why don't you? Why is it that you are one-dimensional Christian? And that's the reason why your family is falling apart, your ministry is falling apart, and there's no growth in Noah. Listen, uh, let me just move on here. Revelations, John chapter 10, verse 10. Number 5, let's go to number 5. I think it's, number 5 is in order. God is striving through the body of Christ to restore fallen men to himself, while Satan is attempting to disrupt God's purpose. God is striving through the body of Christ to restore fallen men to Himself. But Satan, while Satan is attempting to disrupt God's kingdom and God's purpose, one of the areas that I learned and blessed me a lot was how to deal with situations of this type. I remember coming into a house north of, of, of Athens, Georgia. And the name of the man was Mr. Sargent. I never forgot him. And, and of course, I am just a, a simple evangelist with a very narrow-minded idea about a two-dimensional gospel. Uh, I was doing a master's degree in journalism at the University of Georgia. 
And so I was invited to come to pray for this young man that was in horrible need. I didn't understand where I was going. But his father took me to the basement of the house. And I went into the bathroom, and there is this horrible scene of a young man. Hair covering his face all the way down to his waist. Fingernails that were about an inch and a half. No shoes. On his underwear, sitting on the floor. And I never, I never could understand that, that, that horrible sight. I wanted to run out of there and go home. But I had my father with me. And my father said, son, you're going to have to do something here. And so, he began to pray in Portuguese. And of course, I did not translate it. I was in shock. And he began to pray. And he prayed in Portuguese for about five minutes. And suddenly, the hair, he began to take the hair from his face and, and looked at my father. The look of this man, as he looked at my father, it's engraved in my brain and I'll take it to heaven. Because the face looked as if for the first time in his life, he had seen light. It filled with hope in his heart. And he began to lift his hands and began to not move toward my father, but he was sitting down. He began to lift his hands and began to try to touch my father. And my father then stopped the prayer in Portuguese and turned the water, the shower water on him, and began to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, as loud as I've ever seen anybody pray. And this boy began to yell and scream. It was one of the most overwhelming scenes I will never forget. It wasn't too long before my father called the paramedics. The, the, Mr. Sergeant called the paramedics, took the boy from the seat. They put him on a on a Mac and took it to the ambulance to the to the and we never see him again. But just before he 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 moved into the ambulance going home, he lifts his hands toward my father and tried to grab his hand. And he disappeared in the ambulance. I'll never see him again. And now let me say this to you. What is it that my father said? The thief come not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you have light and life. And more abundantly. More abundantly. More, and have it more abundantly. You can have the light of God, but you need to have it more abundantly. And what that old preacher was saying is that, Satan, you have no authority. If I remember my father's Portuguese prayer, you have no authority. You have no right to enslave this young man. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that came through me, by the salvation of Jesus Christ, by the power of the cross of Calvary that destroyed evil and, and, and destroyed Satan and took the keys of life and death from, from, from him and opened the door for salvation for millions and millions and millions, I reprimand you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what you think about this, 
But let me read to you Revelations 12.12 because Satan is trying to delay his final and inevitable destruction. His hope is that somehow he'll be able to somehow win this battle in a different way, but there's no way. In other words, when Jesus said it is finished, it's done. Look at Revelation 12.12 Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, The saints of God are in heaven. They're alive. If this is not the case, then Moses and Elijah were dead people talking at the transfiguration. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath not but a short time. He knoweth that he hath nothing but a short time. And so you need to know that he's been defeated. John 16 says, For, the, for, the, for, for evil has, has already been judged. Satan has already been judged. The devil has already been judged. And since you know that he's already been judged, why don't you take authority in the name of Jesus over that which is darkness? The devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Before we finish, I want to... I have three suggestions for you. The first one, do not allow wisdom to be clouded by being naive. Do not allow wisdom, wisdom of God, to be clouded by being naive. Don't take the kingdom of God for granted. Don't speak of the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the return as if it's a possibility. Remember, this is a spiritual warfare. It will not stop. Number two, never compromise belief or behavior beyond the point of biblical and personal integrity. I'm tempted to, to do this, okay? You want to look good for people to like you. And I hate that idea. I don't want to be liked by anybody. I haven't been called called by, by, by trying to please men. And I have to be very careful not to offend anyone. But I, I, I'm afraid that... Uh, that I have sinned in, those, in this area. I don't want to, I want God to forgive me. I don't need to please anybody. Look at this. Never compromise belief or behavior, meaning in what you do and what God tells you to do. I get in trouble because of this. Beyond, be, belief or behavior beyond the point of biblical and personal integrity. Number three. Victory is impossible without courage. Victory in this area is impossible without courage. Imagine, you are paid a large amount of money to be the pastor of this church. And the person that actually gives you salary is sitting staring at you. 
and you decided to pray and reprimand evil in that person's heart. It takes a lot of courage. Victory is impossible without courage. Remember that faith involves taking risk. Faith involves taking risk. I hope this will bless you today. Amen. And I know that some of you are saying, where is Rick has been? We have just stopped this ministry quite a little bit because of technical problems. But our, our, our office is good. And Andy Hines has victoriously won the battle. It's been a battle for about two months on replacing computers, replacing all kinds of things here. And the technicality of this ministry sharing with you, it's not simple. It's complicated, and, and there's some evil in it that we had to battle this week. Amen? So, good to see you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes. Heavenly Father, I just bless you, Lord. I thank you, God. We thank you for Andy Hines and his call to bring this ministry of teaching into the new website that's going to be formed. Blessed God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.